Many years ago, I uh, got to go on a trip to London, and uh, London is a large, exciting, cosmopolitan city filled with art, history, and culture. And so, uh, naturally, when I got there, the first thing I did was go and eat at McDonald's. And um, when I went to McDonald's, I got my royal quarter pounder with cheese because it wasn't just a regular quarter pounder with cheese, it was a royal quarter pounder with cheese because I was in England. So, and uh, I got my sandwich, and I went and I sat down, and at the next table over, there were a group of teenagers sitting there. And one of the teenagers said to his friends, I'm on a seafood diet. I see food and then I eat it. How was my British accent? Not, not good. Not. I think I, I, I think I just heard Pastor Andy's laptop shut off. But, uh, um, so it made me really happy because I was really happy that that joke made it across the Atlantic. And uh, you know what I learned was good stories travel. And today we are going to read about the story of the prodigal son. Uh, there's a version of this story is actually found in ancient Hebrew literature. It's found in ancient Asian literature. Um, it's been retold many times in books, movies, art, literature. Um, but we're going to read it today, and we are going to learn why this parable is actually a lesson about parenting. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 15. And we are going to start on verse 11. It's Luke chapter 15, starting on verse 11. And Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. All these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatty calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
So first off, what is a prodigal? Um, you hear this a lot, but I don't think we ever actually say what a prodigal is. A prodigal just means somebody who spends money wastefully or not in a wise fashion. And why did Jesus feel the need to give this parable? Well, Jesus was speaking with a group of people and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were angry because he was talking to tax collectors and sinners. So to yourself for a second, I want you to think about what group of people do you think is awful and sinful? And that's who Jesus was talking to in the minds of the Pharisees. So in response to this, Jesus told three parables in a row. He told the parable of the lost sheep. He told the parable of the lost coin. And then we got to the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. And in reading this, I really um, noticed that this, uh, this parable that Jesus taught spoke to, to me a lot about parenting and what it means to be a parent. So there's three lessons that I learned from this about parenting. And the first one is to teach your children well. Um, so the way inheritances worked back then was the first son got a double portion of the inheritance, and then the second son got half of that. So if there was two sons, the oldest son got two-thirds of you know, the double portion, and then the youngest son only got half of what he got. But he wanted his money so bad, he had to run off. Yeah, I guess he saw that J.G. Wentworth commercial, I, it's my money, I want it now. So he was like, that's a good idea. So he grabbed his money and went off. And um, it was very uncommon, actually, to take your inheritance before uh, your father passed away, but um, he decided to do it anyways. And, um, you know, it reminded me of um, my own parenting skills and decisions you have to make when you're a parent. Um, you know, I'm not the best parent. I'm not the worst parent, but, you know, nobody's writing articles about me in Parenting Magazine or anything like that. Um, actually, my parenting did not get off to a good start. So when before our uh, first son, Kyle, was born, um, we went to the, uh, the birth class. And, uh, you know, I probably forgot most of the stuff they talked about in birth class, but I do remember that the midwife said... Um, all the stuff that you're supposed to bring when your wife goes into labor that you should bring some snacks. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea because I hear these labors last a long time, so maybe I should take something to eat. So uh, when the time came and my, my wife went into labor and um, I had a bag of Doritos with me, I started to get really hungry. So we found out that you know women when they're in labor can't eat. So she's having contractions. I'm sitting on a chair off to the side eating Doritos and... <laughs> Well, good job, honey. You really nailed that last contraction. So uh, that didn't go over well. And uh, but um, you know, I think when you when you become a parent, you have to decide uh, what type of parent that you actually want to become. Um, you know, do you want to be the parent that lets their kids just run down the street? Do you want to be helicopter parent? Um, I'm probably closer to helicopter parent than parent that lets their kids run down the street. Um, you know, do you want to be overbearing parent? Um, I read a story about the Beach Boys not long ago. And uh, the Beach Boys, when they started, were a family band. It was uh, the brothers, Brian Wilson, Carl, and Dennis, and then Mike Love was their cousin. And then um, 
Al Jardine was like their friend from down the street. And um, then eventually over time, they added like 50 different people. And then eventually like Uncle Jesse from Full House became their drummer and whatever. But originally it was those five and they were a family band. And um, their father, the, the Wilson brothers' father was a guy named Murray Wilson. And he was this um, failed, frustrated musician, songwriter. He tried to write songs and he could never get them, you know, no one ever buy his songs. He never really made it in the music industry. And so he was bound and determined that his children were going to become famous musicians. And so when they were babies, he would sit them down by the piano and he would play songs for them and tell them, wasn't that a good song? That was a good song, wasn't it? And um, that's how he raised them. But over time, when they became famous, he was so abrasive and overbearing, they actually ended up firing him as, as their manager. Um, so you can become a lot of different things when you're, when you're a parent. And, but what I learned from the father in the prodigal son story was that he gave his child roots and then he gave his child wings. So what I mean by that was one of the best lessons on parenting I ever got was from a professor I had. And he said, Brian, the best thing you can ever do for your kids is to give them roots and then give them wings. Teach them everything that you can teach them, teach them right from wrong. And then at some point when they get older, you let them go and hope that the lessons that you taught them uh, come to fruition. And this is what uh, the father did in this story. You know, he, when his son came to him and asked for his inheritance, he had every right to say, no, you can't have my money, you know, go back to work. But he didn't, he's like, you're an adult now, you can go off, you can do what you want. So that's what he did. And isn't it great that, you know, God the Father allows us to make mistakes and he allows us to make our own decisions. You know, God could have created us that we never have free will and we never be able to make our own decisions. But in his loving provision, he allowed us to make our, our own mistakes. Um, so secondly, the second lesson that I learned from the prodigal son was love, love the children who leave and screw up. So the son goes off and he parties, has a good time. He goes to Burning Man. He goes to Bonnaroo. He follows the Dave Matthews Band on tour. He goes to South by Southwest and hosts a webinar. And everybody loves him because he, you know, has a lot of money. And everybody loves you when you have a lot of money. But then eventually the money runs out and then everybody doesn't love you anymore. So eventually he, he, um, he becomes so desperate that he has to go and work among the pigs, which for him would be the worst job that he could possibly do because pigs are not kosher. Um, they're not supposed to be eaten as part of a kosher diet. Not only can you not eat them, you're not even supposed to touch them because they're unclean. Um, when I was younger, I used to think to myself and you know argue with other people what the worst job in the world would be. And uh, I mean, we would debate, is it this job, it was that job, and we throw jobs around. And um, then one time I went to the circus and I'm sitting there, I'm watching the circus and all the performers come out and the, the clowns come out and the people on the motorcycle come out and the lions and the tigers and the lion tamers. And then the elephants come out and then I see a guy following the elephants with a shovel, picking up elephant poo. And then I thought to myself, that's the winner. <laughs> That guy's it. That guy has the worst job in the world. And um, I wondered to myself, I always thought that that was the job. You know, you always hear about the kid that runs away and joins the circus. 
And I always figured that was the job they gave to the kid that ran away, you know, just to see how bad you really wanted it. Because, hey, if you, if you follow the elephants around with a shovel, maybe a year from now you'll be driving the clown car. But um, one time I, uh, I actually met an acrobat. And so the, um, the acrobat told me that that's not like a job job. That's when the circus would come into town, they would hire a homeless person to follow the elephants around. Which really, when you think about it, is a sad commentary on me that I would meet an acrobat, and then the first thing that I would ask him is, hey, tell me about that guy that follows the elephants around with a shovel. But, uh, you know, <laughs> that's me. So, um, ergo, the, he, he becomes so desperate that he does this job, and then one day he says, you know, I'm going to go back to my dad. Maybe he'll hire me as, you know, one of his hired men. Not even as one of his servants, because there was a difference between servants and hired men. Servants were actually kind of part of the family. Uh, the family had certain responsibilities to them. Hired men were just like day laborers. They, you could hire and fire day laborers at will. But he's like, maybe, maybe, just maybe. Because I already screwed up. I already did a bad job. I did a bad thing. I, I wasted all my dad's money. But maybe he'll take me back as a hired servant. And what does the father do in verse 22? He gets so happy that he puts on, he gives him a robe of distinction. He gives him a ring. The ring signified authority. He gives him sandals like a son because sandals were a luxury. You know, most people who didn't have any money just walked around barefoot. But if you had money... You get, so he gives him the sandals, and he, um, he kills the fattened calf for a special occasion because, you know, you would, the big calf, you know, the one that ate a lot, the one that produced the most meat, you save that for the high feast and the special occasion. He was so happy just to see his son again that he gave him the fatted calf. And, you know, that's just like our father, you know, our heavenly father, whenever we, we mess up, and we come back and we ask for forgiveness. He forgives us and he holds nothing against us. And he's so happy. There's so much celebration that, that he pulls out all the stops. And so, you know, what I learned from that is, you know, as parents, we're there to help our children when they fail and help and be there for them, you know, allow them to go out and make their own decisions, make their own mistakes, but also to be there for them when they make mistakes and when they come back and they need help again. And... Um, the third lesson that I learned from the prodigal son about parenting is to love the children that were with you the whole time. Um, so we get to the third part of the story, and the older son is not amused. He, uh, you know, hears about this big party that the father is throwing, and um, he starts to get a little angry. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I'd be angry too. I mean, you know, he worked the fields. He was loyal to him the whole time. You know, did all his father's work when he was younger. He was probably in his room doing calculus while his younger younger brother was out on his dirt bike. You know, he was always the responsible one, always took responsibility for everything. And now, you know, the younger son comes back, and they're throwing a big party for him. I mean, I'd be mad too. I mean, who who among us does not get, you know, at some point in our jobs, doesn't feel like you're not being appreciated? You know, I get like this all the time. Oh, my boss doesn't appreciate me. My clients don't appreciate me. My students don't appreciate me. My patients don't appreciate me. You know, I think every single one of us feels at some point like we're not being appreciated. Um, but look what the father says 
in verse 31, the father says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. And, you know, it reminds me that, you know, the father could have gone a lot of ways with this. He could have said, hey, get over yourself. You know, I'm just happy that my younger son is back and not dead. He could have said, hey, stop being so jealous. Um, he could have said, go to your room. But he didn't. He said, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours. And, you know, and that taught me as a parent to also, you know, love the children who don't screw up, love the children who have been with you the entire time, um, and to celebrate them as well. And, you know, I, I think it's important to love the children that are loyal as much as you love the children that leave. Um, I think, you know, with a story like this that's been so well, you know, told so many times that most of us have heard so many times in so many different ways, there is a tendency to read it and say, okay, the, the younger son is bad, don't be like him. And the older son is bad, don't be like him. Um, but to be honest with you, just about all of us have either been the younger son or we've been the older son. And some of us have been both at various times. You've either been the son that screwed up and had to come crawling back, or you had to be, you were the one that was loyal the whole time. And maybe you felt like you weren't being appreciated enough. But isn't it great that there is no hierarchy in God's kingdom, that God loves us all the same, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, we're all equal. Um, and so I praise our Heavenly Father that he has given us a loving provision through, through Jesus Christ that we can all be called as children. Amen.